podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to episode 70 of GigPod, the Glasgow is Green podcast. I'm Rizzo and I'm joined on this episode by my old pal Hamish Carton from 67 Hail Hail. Hamish, how you doing mate? Uh, been better Rizzo. Had a, a rough night last night at the risk of alienating myself from the, the hardcore gig pod support who I would never criticise, may I add. Um, I was at open goal last night. Don't know how that'll go down with a lot of the fans of this podcast but I was there. Um, had a few drinks, well a, a few drinks at the Hydro and then a few drinks afterwards. So I felt better, mate. Hopefully it's not going to affect my performance in this podcast. No, I'm sure you'll, you'll power through, Hamish. I thought the legend you are. Now, before we talk about our humongous triumph at Epitodri, that's an in-joke to a Rangers fan there, I'm sad to say. <laughs> we'll talk first about the game against Leverkusen because we didn't do a podcast after that game. So we did lose 4-0, but that doesn't really tell the whole story, does it, Hamish? I thought we actually performed... Not bad in the day. Aye, so it was a yeah, it was a strange, um, strange game. It's obviously pretty embarrassing losing four 0 at home to anyone. Um, but Leverkusen are a really good side. I think they won four 0 this weekend as well um, against Bielefeld. So they're clearly a side who are playing well. But yeah, I, I, at the game, disappointed, embarrassed. Kate came back the next day as I kind of like to do and rewatched the game. And you're right, we actually did play a, a lot of really good football. We we moved the ball around really well at times. We created so many chances. I mean, I think we created as many chances as they did in the game. The game could have been like a, another 4-3 or a 5-4 or something like that if we'd have taken our chances. Um, but we can't really, couldn't really have too many complaints because they were like a proper team who just wanted to win that game. We were just came across as quite a nice team who were happy to play some nice football. But when it actually came down to the two most important things, putting the ball in the net and keeping out the other end, we were found wanting. We're probably not going to make like the last, the next stage of the Europa League, but we've still got a chance to do well on the conference, but we'll talk about that in uh, future pods. So now let's talk about the big game on Sunday, Celtic's trip to Aberdeen, where we tried to get our first away win since it's February. And what did you make of the team selection, uh, Hamish? Uh, I, I think the Ange did look maybe a lot hoped he would, and stopped playing Turnbull and Rogic together. But maybe it was a bit of a surprise he brought near Beaton in. Was that maybe a sign that Ange been a bit more pragmatic, do you think? It was probably coming, wasn't it? When the fact that he brought Beaton on in the second half against Leverkusen clearly um, showed that he was he was wanting to get Beaton back into what I think is his best position at centre mid. Um, I don't know what it says about James McCarthy, that, that Beaton is preferred to a guy who's been playing the Premier League for the last... 10-12 uh, years, it's probably not a great look for him, but just in terms of from a positive point of view, that midfield had to change, John. I mean, Turnbull and Rogic playing together just clearly wasn't working. They're two luxury players. I think it's fine at home to St Mirren and Dundee, as we saw earlier this season, but see when you're going you know, to places like Pitodry, where it's going to be a battle in that midfield against players like Brown and, and Lewis Ferguson, you're going to need more legs and you're going to need just... Um, just a little more assurance in that midfield. And I think Beaton, who I'm certainly, you know, not his biggest fan at all. I think he's let us down a lot of occasions. Um, you know, already this season he's let us down, albeit at centre back. But I think 
the midfield is probably better with, with Beaton in there rather than Rogic and, and Turnbull. And I thought Beaton in general had a decent game yesterday, nothing spectacular, but you know, marshaled that kind of midfield relatively well along alongside McGregor. I think McGregor probably gets a bit more freedom to play as well if he's got a player like that next to him. If he's got like Turnbull and Rogic in front of him, you sometimes feel McGregor's doing that thing he was doing last season a lot with Brown in the team where he's having to do like three or four different jobs rather than just what he's good at. Um, so interesting to see going forward. I still think it's got to be McCarthy in that midfield once he gets up to speed. But as I say, I, I don't know what it says about where he is right now if Ange is going for a player like Beaton who has cost us time and time again in that midfield. Talking about Beaton, he really should have scored early on when they put a header by the post. I think it hit his shoulder. So we should have scored then. But we did take the lead and it was a brilliant goal. David Tumble, who didn't have the best of games against Leverkusen, where he turned, that's a wee Hamish joke there, for the for the 6-7 Hail Hail uh, video, a truly Getting terrible joke. for that, by the way. Getting absolutely pelters. Deservedly so. The great Norm McDonald, may he rest in peace, would not approve. But no, David Tumble with an absolutely fantastic cross ball, and Kyogo, who was, is of course, backing the team, chested the ball into the net, and what was so good about the goal was not just Tumble's cross, which was fantastic, but Kyogo using his sensibilities to not try and head the ball or try and like use his feet, but to chest that into the net, that just shows how good a player he is. And it was a brilliant goal, right, Hamish? I was it was a brilliant goal. It was the finish of a prolific front man in, in terms of Kyogo. You're you're absolutely spot on, John. I think a lesser striker, um, namely perhaps a, a certain Swiss forward might have lashed <laughs> at that yes. or ducked for that he certainly wouldn't have chased it into the net as calmly as Kyogo did. And and just another word on, on the ball from Turnbull, rightly getting lots of plaudits for that Turnbull. It's actually a half volley um, pass, which for me makes it three or four times better. It's an incredible ball um, and it's exactly what we need to see from Turnbull at risk of bringing up that um, ridiculed patter once again, John. He does, for me, do too much of that turning inside and out when you really just want him to move things quickly and for that goal yesterday it was the first time in god knows how long Turnbull did something quickly he didn't try and cut back inside and find you know McGregor or someone like that he moved it forward um, and he put the ball into the box with purpose and when you've got a striker who's got movement like that that's exactly what you want that's exactly what Kyogo wants I just think it sums up you know how we're such a totally different team with Kyogo in the side as opposed to someone like a Yeti. I think people kind of assume it's always going to be those runs in behind from Kyogo, you know, that kind of uh, last man um, running that a Yeti certainly doesn't offer, but it's moments like yesterday as well in a relatively crowded penalty box for him to be able to just drop that shoulder and find that bit of space and then the finish is brilliant. It was it was probably one of the best goals we've scored this season for me. Yeah, it was a brilliant goal and we sort of controlled the game for most of the first half. Aberdeen, who are on a pretty poor run, didn't really offer much until the very end of the first half where they sort of caused a scramble in the box. And then the second half, Celtic really didn't get going at all. In the second half, we failed to create many chances. You could tell that Kyogo was getting frustrated with the wrong balls getting played to him when he was making a run. And then Aberdeen equalised, and shockingly enough, it was a set piece. Ramsey uh, took a corner, and I think Lewis Ferguson sort of shouldered it, but it looped over uh, Adam Montgomery's head and went into the net as Joe Hart was sort of just watching on. Now, I've seen both Hart and Montgomery get the blame for that, but I think maybe 
obviously Montgomery should have done better by letting the ball go over his head. But I think Hart should have done better for that goal. I think he should have been in there try just wipe everybody out to get to the ball. So who, what do you make of that? Who's to blame for that? And our set-piece defending is terrible. I think we've conceded five or six goals in the league. We've conceded six goals in the league this season and five have been through set-pieces. I mean, if we're going to get anywhere this season, that really has to improve now. Hearts, opening day of the season. Terrible goal we concede. Ibrooks, terrible goal. These aren't like, you know, daft goals you concede them when you're 4-0 up. These are key goals and key matches. And yesterday was another one. Um, when you look at the, the goals we've conceded in the league this season, I think it is only six which isn't maybe as many as you would expect for a defence that is, um, you know, much maligned in the wonderful Scottish press. Um, but the frustration for me is that teams don't seem to have to work very hard to score against us at the moment. And we have to work so hard to score our goals. You look at the quality of our two goals yesterday, two brilliant goals. You look at the goal we conceded, not a brilliant goal. You look at some of Leverkusen's goals, you know, a few days ago, my mind is obviously now completely forgotten most of their goals, but off the top of my head, certainly um, a couple of them were nothing special. It was just kind of one simple ball through and our defence was really exposed. Um, the second one especially comes to mind for that. And, you know, the fourth one was a terrible sloppy goal as well. So it's clearly something we need to improve, but the set pieces are are extremely concerning. When are we going to get a grip of this, John? Um, it has to happen. And in terms of blame, maybe it's just my love for Joe Hart who is one of my favourite Celtic players right now. Um, I, I honestly, I just think Montgomery's got to deal with it. I, I just think, I know pe- people will look at it and say, oh, he's not very tall. He maybe just misjudged it. He's not a prolific header of the ball. Um, I just think it's excuses for me. I just think Montgomery has to time his jump better. Uh, they were saying in sports scene, they made actually quite a good point, that he kind of jumped forward into it. I don't know if he thought he was like behind the line and had to clear it off the line. But if he kind of just jumped straight up and almost back the way and headed it, he would have had a much better chance, a, a more powerful jump. It was just a bit pathetic, I thought, and it went over his head. But, you know, I, I'm a huge Montgomery fan and he's not going to be judged on goal line clearances in his Celtic career. He's going to be judged on what he did for the goal. But for me, you know, if you're a portion and blame, it was Montgomery. Aye, and we'll talk about the goal, Celtic's winning goal in a minute. but. We made a couple of interesting changes. We brought on a jetty for a badder. I just, I just, I just love that a jetty, John. I love it. <laughs> Thank you. And we brought on Rogic for Beaton, and we were struggling badly during the game at that point. I mean, Scott Brown nearly scored a header. That would have just been typical, typical Celtic this season if Brown had scored for Aberdeen. But one really Pro- great... probably should have done better, shouldn't he? He should have done better. I, I mean, he put it right at heart, and I think. It, it sort of time ahead. I mean, that was a set piece defending again all over the place, and the substitutes weren't really the best idea. I mean, Kyogo was on the wing again, and the Swiss international, as we'll call him, was through the middle. I mean, I generally couldn't see where the goal was coming from, but in the 84th minute, the winning goal came, and it was another fantastic goal. Tom Rogic, who won his usual sublime bits of skill, he finds space in the middle of the park. Then he passed it to Montgomery, who made a run up the wing, and he more than made up for his mistake for the equaliser. And his pass was expert, expertly finished by Jota, whose parents were actually at the game. They watched him score the winning goal. And I know it wasn't a great performance for Celtic yesterday, but Hamish, that was another fantastic goal. Aye, it was It was probably two min- two moments of brilliance in the game that, that won us. The, the two goals, as I just said a minute ago, the two goals were absolutely excellent. You can't fault them at all. Um, the, the play from Rogic, I don't think... 
I, I can't think of another Celtic player, maybe Stuart Armstrong in the last 10 years that's able to do that, pick it up in midfield, drive on and find that killer pass. Um, and it's exactly why, for me, Rogic has to be a sub more often. Now, I know that sounds kind of counterintuitive when you see him playing so well when he came on yesterday and creating a goal, you'd maybe think he should start more. But I just think you, when you start him every single week, you lose that bit of quality against tired legs. And I think he was the perfect sub to come on yesterday. I wasn't happy with the subs. I thought they were strange. I, I thought it was strange taking taking a badder off and then moving Kyogo wide left. Um, we all know that Kyogo's a striker now and I, I think we have to be over the days of Kyogo being a left winger. But Angie's the one that's that's laughing at that idiot for 67 heel heel because he's made the subs and he's he's won as the game. Um, bro- moment of brilliance from Rogic. Montgomery does amazing to to get his head up because I was shouting at him, shoot, hit it. But he gets his head up and uh, Jota at the, at the back stick. Just exactly what you want from him. The kind of thing we've seen so often from Abada already this season. And if these wingers can chip in with 10, 15, maybe even 20 goals each this season, Abada's obviously you know nearly hit double figures already. Um, and Kyogo can fire in some goals we're going to win matches because there's so many goals in the team. There's not many teams that have actually scored more goals than us in the whole of you know British and Irish football this season. And you still feel like there's so much more to come for this Celtic team. But it was a huge moment. Um, what were you up to? Were you were you up in the living room dancing about when that one went in? No, I've got more dignity than that, of course, <laughs> as you well know. No, just had a, had a punch there. It was more relief than anything because... We'll talk about the performance a wee bit more in a minute, but I just couldn't see a goal coming at all. We struggled terribly in the second half, and I thought, well, I'm not going to drop points again. But then I seen a thing on a Twitter after the game that it was sort of reminiscent of some other wins that have had to score some late goals, like the Chris Iyer goal, I think, was in the last 10 minutes a few years ago, just before the lockdown. So it was always going to be a hard game, and we did see it out. He went 2-1. Our first away win since February, finally get that jinx away. And what did you make of the celebrations at the end? I thought, I could understand why the players were really celebrating. I thought I, I, Big Ange was quite calm, really. I thought he didn't, like, run about and, like, do fist pumps like Ronnie, like Ronnie did. <laughs> or when, or like, a, like a certain scouser across the city. Yes, I, I don't know who you mean. But, uh, no, I mean, Ronnie, like, he... Had that legendary win at Petodre when we had 10 men that sort of was a blueprint for a launch pad, really, for his time at Celtic. I don't know if that'll be the same for Ange, but what did you make of the scenes at the end? I thought Ange kept it cool and calm, and good on him for that. It was a huge win for him, and I'm happy for him that he got that one. I think that's about as much emotion as you're probably ever going to see from Ange. Um, he, he was kind of, he was beating the chest. I just don't think he's he's never going to do a Ronnie Roar and kind of go and, you know, absolute fist pump. And he's just a very calm kind of, almost like di- directing the, the crowd, the, the sing song. I thought the scenes were amazing at full time. It really was so reminiscent of that 2014 game under Ronnie Dyla um, when, you know, the Ronnie Roar was was effectively born that day. I know he'd done it earlier in the season at Dens Park, but that was the the first time we we properly saw it after a game. You know, the scenes that day and from memory could be completely wrong with us, but I think we kind of kicked on after that result, real galvanising result. And I honestly think we might be looking back on yesterday as a, a you know a similar kind of result for us. I was just watching the you know rewatching the the post match celebrations earlier today and. 
watched them about five or six times. Just really, really love this team. I think they've got a lot of really likable players. I think, you know, been really surprised actually by how likable Joe Hart is. I think he gets it. I think he wants Celtic to achieve something. He's not come to Scotland with this attitude that he's above the league. He's too big for the league. I think if anything, Joe Hart is, has, you know, really embraced Scottish football. And you can see he was loving it yesterday. Probably pretty bowled over. I mean, I know he's played in big games in the past, but, you know, those scenes at full time yesterday, you don't get that in Man City. You don't get that at Spurs. You don't even get that at a team like Burnley or even in Italy with Torino. Um, that's There's only a select few clubs in, in world football that you'll get scenes like that after an away win and support like that after an away win. And I think that goes for a few of the players as well. You could tell a lot of them looking at that away support. Shota, um, who's another really likeable guy. Abada, um, you know, embracing the away support. I know Starfelt. Um, who on a separate point I thought was pretty good yesterday as well. He was clearly loving it as well. So just really hoping that, you know, scenes like that after the game, just getting a taste of what it's like to be a winner for Celtic can lead this team on to do more. Because we've got, you know, we've got tough fixtures coming up. John, you're probably going to come on to it. But, you know, the, the next chunk of fixtures before the the next international break, um, we've got Motherwell, Hibs and Dundee all the way from home. St. Johnson and Livingston at Celtic Park and obviously the Ferenc Varos double-headed as well. Hibs away is certainly a worry. Motherwell away, the first game back will be tough as well. Um, not really any easy games in there, but certainly, you know, people talk about it as a, a negative, a real terrifying run, but conversely, like, what a chance for this team to lay down a marker. What a chance for them to show that yesterday was the start of something. You know, we can finally get this season going. It's been so stop-start with injuries, with, you know, Poor results derailing our, our form. We've had good moments. We've had more bad moments. Hopefully now this team, you know, can kick on from yesterday after the international break. How do you feel going into that that run of fixtures? I just said, um, we'll talk about that in a second. But I just want to say one thing. Now I don't like to talk about referees because I'm not an unnamed manager of a Scottish football team in Glasgow who complains about referees a lot. But Madden really was poor yesterday. I mean, I get sent after the game. By an Aberdeen fan, to, uh, that we had 28 fouls awarded against us. That's nearly one every three minutes. And it was breaking play up constantly. And I, I don't like talking about referees and I don't want to say anything else about it. But we'll just say it wasn't very good, just it was a Hamish. It was a, a maddening performance from Madden, if you will, John. <laughs> it was uh, just, just like blowing his whistle non stop, but also just the inconsistency of the one I've got written down here. Remember Turnbull got booked in the first half? I can't remember. Yes. You know what he took down, but at the time I thought that was a bit of a daft um, no, booking. No, I, he I get, thought it was he really get, harsh. He got booked because the, I think it was because the number of fouls we'd been awarded against. 100% us. because they were in his ear. I don't know if you remember this, but the, the right back, I think Ramsey's name is, has a pretty bad tackle. Hugo kind of gets the ball just inside the. Um, Aberdeen half so just over the halfway line and he cuts inside with first touch and he gets taken out by um, Ramsey it's a stone wall yellow card and he doesn't give it and if you were to compare those incidents you know the one Turnbull gets booked for and the one Ramsey gets booked for and you were to ask you know an alien down from Mars <laughs> or whatever which one of these was a booking he would be absolutely stunned at that decision I could not get over it but you know, I suppose that's what we've come to expect from, you know, the wonderful referees in this country. Um, it's good to chat about it after a win because it doesn't sound like sour grapes, but I think you're right to bring it up. I just thought it was a, a really, really poor performance again. 
Aye, so hopefully we won't need to talk about uh, referees again, probably until our next game. <laughs> no, I mean, as you were saying, we've got this international break. Um, I was We've got lots of players away in international duty. I mean, we've got to hope that they don't get injured again. Like, what happened in the last break? I mean, we lost Kyogo, we lost McGregor. We can see, like, we get victories with him in the team. I mean, it's not the prettiest performance yesterday, but I don't think if we didn't have Kyogo, obviously he scored, we didn't have McGregor. Like his influence. I mean, I saw a video after, uh, I saw a video on Twitter and it was after the second goal and like McGregor was like running towards the Celtic fans to celebrate. I mean, I think he takes uh, seriously that he's a captain and I think we are just far better with him on the side. And after the international break, well, hopefully everybody's back fit. We've got this this run, which is just going to be. That Motherwell game is going to be interesting because it's not on TV, which is odd. I don't know what Sky are thinking with some of the decisions this season. I mean, not showing a lot of games where they should. Look, everybody, all the games are on the Saturday, uh, that day, and we'll be playing at the same time as Rangers, which is going to add something as well. I think they're playing Hearts, who are... Yeah, first, first few seconds. Who are somehow set in the league. I have no idea how when they were truly terrible against us in, in both games. We used to have won both games really comfortably. So that's going to be an interesting day. And I know that you were saying yesterday in your uh, video where esteemed leader, Stevie, that, I mean, it might not mean a lot if we don't like, go on a run. And I think I have to agree with that. And I'm just not sure yet if this Celtic team are capable of beating uh, Motherwell, beating Motherwell at Fur Park. Then we've got that bizarre French Varos kickoff at half three on a Tuesday afternoon. Then St. Johnson at home and St. Johnson are playing well. And then we've got Easter Road on the Wednesday. I'm not talking, thinking about Dundee away yet because I think we should be relatively comfortable with that. But I think the four games in particular are uh, going to be massive. And it'll be interesting. I mean, I think if we hadn't won yesterday, I think a lot of people would have wanted Ange to leave, which is probably unfair. In fact, it is unfair because he's hardly been here. But you need to win games. The bottom line at Celtic, it's all about results. And... Up until yesterday, the results haven't been good enough at all in the league. And, I mean, that was still even a struggle. I mean, I know, as I said, we struggle at Aberdeen, but they have been poor this season. And I was hoping in all my heart that we'd go there and we went 3 or 4 nil. but I think that was just wishful thinking. And I don't know, I'm hoping that with the players that he's got at the, at the, in the club, they know that haven't went away in international duty. I mean, I'm just going to drill into them how important that is to... Go on this win and run, and I'm just not sure yet if we're capable of going on that run. I know you like this team and you like Ange. Are you confident that we can go to Fur Park and win and then beat St Johnston and win Easter Road and go on a run and put on pressure at the teams at the top of the league? I don't I don't think you can be confident when you look at the way we've played at times this season, especially on the road. You know, maybe other than Yablonitz, I don't know if we've had a um, a convincing away win and even that game at times it was you know kind of opened up the way they were playing and the way we were defending so I, I honestly don't think we don't look likely you know to keep a clean sheet away from home in any game um, and, and Motherwell are obviously playing well I know they lost on Saturday but they are playing well Hibs away is going to be tough and and even Dundee away against in fact no I was about to say against Griffiths but he won't be playing against us that day um, but but they're still you know a, de- a decent enough side that it should be a, a tough game so yeah I don't think you can be confident at all but just looking forward to it I just think we just need to embrace it Do you think there'll be pressure on Ange if we don't want it for Park? Depends what you mean by pressure I mean there's already pressure on him even after yesterday a lot of 
a lot of fans kind of unhappy with the way we played yesterday. I'll put it. I'll put it like this: since if at the end of that run, like the tour of hell, I think wrestling once called it. Uh, after this, after the games, after the away, let's see we're like nine or ten points behind, which please God we aren't. Do you think then there might be a groundswell to change the manager and? God forbid, bring in somebody that's maybe already connected with the club, i.e. Gordon Strang. That just can't be an option. There is just no point, from my point of view anyway, of ripping this up. Even even if it isn't going well, I honestly just think that we need... I think when we brought Ange in, uh, given the dire strait we were in, we were committing to a long-term thing. I don't think we can rip it up and put like a Celtic man or someone who knows the club to steady the ship for four or five months, someone like Gordon Strachan. Because that's fine if Gordon Strachan gets, you know, a few more points than Ange and whatever run Rangers close in the league, that's fine. But where does that leave us in the long term? Ange is a guy who's going to come in and for me, he's a guy who's going to unite Celtic, uh, you know, a fractured club. He's already done it to an extent. And if he can get the you know a couple of transfer windows under his belt to build the team that he wants, I honestly think we'll see the long term effects of that. It doesn't make it any easier if you are going to be dropping points in away games. And listen, I'm the first one bashing away my keyboard or my you know keyboard on my phone after we lose at Levy and drop points. It won't be Dundee United, but I just think people need to realise the state Celtic are in as a club at the moment, and there is no such thing as a quick fix. Now, hopefully. Hopefully yesterday was a turning point for this team and we can kick on now. And I really, you know, I can say this on on this podcast because you don't tend to get any fans of other teams listening like we do in the YouTube. I don't think, I don't think winning the league is is a complete write-off this season. Um, I, I don't think there's a great team in that league at all. I think there's a few good sides. I think Rangers will obviously improve, but... They've not been convincing at all. They're nowhere near the side of last season. And if we can just beat every other team, find consistency on the road, I think we'll beat Rangers um, in the games at Celtic Park because I think we're so strong at Celtic Park. Um, I honestly think we'll get there. Um, but there's going to be setbacks. If it doesn't happen this season and we don't quite win the league, um, providing there's still positivity at the club, providing there's still potential, and people still believe that Ange can get us where we want to be in time, then I think we need to stick at him. Say stick with him. Just a final point I want to make, John, um, on this. You know, when you're chatting about, you know, the the run coming up, I, th- I think yesterday the bench was the strongest it's been in quite a while. Um, so we had Scott Bain, uh, the certain Swiss striker. We had Yakamakis. We had James McCarthy. We had Tom Rogic, Liam Scales, and Stephen Welsh. Now, for me, that's so much stronger than it was two or three weeks ago. I mean, you remember the bench we had for like the Ross County game and the Betis game and all that. There was, you know, a few more attacking options in that bench yesterday to change it up. On top of that, players we've got coming back, uh, you know, in the the next whatever few weeks, few months, we've got Kanemoko Dembele, James Forrest, who is a huge player for us, Mikey Johnson, uh, Chris Julian, get Juranovic and Greg Taylor as well so we've got players coming back you will see a huge change in this Celtic team when those players come back I think especially players like Julian and Forrest who for me are are probably probably starters and um, certainly in Julian's case I think he's a starter so I honestly wouldn't be worried I wouldn't be worried about going into these next few fixtures let's just embrace it it's big games there's no wee games anymore Um, you know none of this training ground crap we had last season you know games that didn't matter because 
we had no direction at all. It's big, high-profile matches all the way, and we might as well embrace it. Okay, you've convinced me. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm not. I'm not sure. I mean, I I'm not sure if Angel get that much time if we go out for a park and stiff, like go down and lose. I mean, I think there'll be just huge pressure and. It's about results more than anything. I know we're talking about a long-term plan, but you don't get long-term plans at Celtic. It's about the here and now, and it's always been about the here and now, and especially this season, I think. People are just forgetting that if, if 99% guaranteed that whoever wins league this season is going to get into the Champions League group stages, and they're going to get a lot of money. And I think if we don't come back for the break on in form, I think that might be a panic move. I don't know, but I think people... Of what the manager replacing. That's probably unfair, but that's how it is at Celtic. It's always about the here and now. You must win results and we're six in the league. I know it's still early days, but Celtic can be six in the league in October. I mean, that's going back to remember the nineties stuff as people always going about like, oh, remember how it was in the nineties? Yes. <laughs> so and I don't want that to happen again. And obviously we're better than that. And I think obviously with more players fit. I mean, I don't want to make excuses about injuries because that's what other teams do, no naming any names, but that hasn't helped us this season. But I don't know. I just hope we can go on a run. I mean, I'd be surprised, but I really hope we can go to Fur Park and win. I think I think that'll be a tougher game than Aberdeen because I think we're a better team than Aberdeen. Yeah, It's going to be weird too because, I mean, as I say this on a Saturday, a lot of people, well, they'll probably use nefarious means to, to see it. Uh, but... <laughs> I think that's going to that's going to be a real test that game. I mean, I think if we go to for part and win, I'm confident we can get good results against uh, Ferenc Varos and St Johnston and Hibs. I mean, Hibs away is probably the hardest game at them all, but I mean, I think the team would get a lot of confidence if we go to for part and win. I think I think that Hibs away game is the one that, that definitely gives me the fear. I just think they've got so much pace in their team that could could hurt us. Um, I don't think we've got. You know, a lot of pace in that back line at the moment, and that would certainly give me the fear in that match. But again, like we're Celtic, we shouldn't really be getting petrified at the prospect of going to Motherwell and Hibs and Dundee. We just need to see what this team's got. I actually do agree with you. I think it depends, it depends what you mean by saying that, you know, Ange has to win these games. He, he has to win them because we're Celtic and we can't afford to be 10, 11, 12 points behind. Whether he would get sacked if he doesn't win at Motherwell or he doesn't win at Hibs. I'm not so sure, um, but he could. He certainly, you know, needs as a, the manager of Celtic and the players as players for Celtic need to try and, you know, go on a winning run now because it's something we didn't do last season at all. We haven't done it yet this season. We need to go on a winning run in the league. I don't even really care about Europe too much now. I think you're right. Earlier, we're out of the Europa League for me. We're not coming back from that. Um, Conference League, you know. I'm, I'm changing my view on this pretty much every week at the moment. I thought the Conference League would be great to go into that because we'd have a chance to maybe go on a wee run. To be honest, it's all about the league now. And if we finish fourth in that Europa League group, I'm not going to be absolutely gutted. It's all about the league. Go on a win and run, Celtic. Imagine we go to Fir Park and win. Imagine we go to Easter Road and win. You know, Dens Park beat St. Johnson and Livy. Imagine we get maximum points from those five games in the next wee chunk. You know, the, the buzz around the club would be back. And I just think that's what this team needs to do now. Um, you know, it's all well and good looking at those fixtures and kind of getting a bit worried. But just take it game at a time. We'll still be the favourites in pretty much all of those games. Just win them, chop them off like we did yesterday. Ideally, 
um, a little bit earlier than yesterday. Don't leave it quite as late to to win the game. Um, but no, I'm I'm feeling good about it. Feeling relaxed. Enjoy the international break, and then we'll get back into it. Yep, uh, I'd agree with that. And for some reason, the Hibs game Easterwood is on TV either. So what, what? What? I mean, without sounding like a certain Scottish football Twitter account that's about a a meat filled pastry and a hot <laughs> beef stock drink. Um, why? Why? Why are these games not getting? televised i think i saw a tweet earlier saying that you've got the top six all playing each other the next you know match weekend including first v second and including us going to motherwell and sky aren't showing a single game from from that midweek but a couple of weeks ago uh i think they were showing dundee hibs and i'm sure they had another weird one was i said st mirren aberdeen last weekend now i'm i'm kind of all for them showing other teams i think it's a bit of a shambles when it's just us and rangers at river and telly but what what is going on? Why why are they showing St Mirren Aberdeen, and then a week when you could, you know, you could have like you could bill it as a huge like top six weekend and have three games back to back on Sunday. Why are they showing no games at all? It's we don't have to uh, shoot ourselves in the foot in this country. Now I'm just looking at live football on TV here, the wonderful website. There's no game on at all the first week back. Then the second week, the only game on is St Mirren Rangers. The midweek when we the Easter Road and Rangers are playing Aberdeen, there's no game. Then, then the week after the, at that, at Halloween, it's Motherwell Rangers. It's the only game. Then before the break, the only game is our trip to Dundee. So that's two of the weekends or two of the fix, two of the rounds of fixes. I mean, well, there's no live games on. And I mean, okay, I don't want them to put Rangers on particular, but you think they would at least think about putting like Rangers Hearts or Rangers Aberdeen on, because they are big games for Scottish football standards, and if not, I mean, our trip to Easter Road, a place where we regularly struggle, I mean, why is that not on TV? I mean, okay, we'll, we'll all get to see the games probably, but that's not the point, it really is very, very strange, but Sky, they've done the same last season, if you remember, they didn't take up all the fixtures, and I thought maybe that was because, like, Let's face it, the league was finished in January and the atmosphere with no fans was made the games practically unwatchable. But now there's no excuse for that. I just don't understand what Sky are up to at all here. Remember at the start of last season when they had no other football, they basically only had the Scottish League because we started earlier than the rest of Europe. They they had like three games in the opening weekend. I think they'd used up something like a third of their total allowance, which I think is maybe 48 games. I think you'd used up like 14 or 15 games in the first, you know, six or seven weeks of the season. Just no, you know, worse budgeting than me on a Saturday night. Um, just, <laughs> the, the, it's just, it's, I mean, we don't want to be accused of double standards, John, because, I, you know, I'm the first guy to moan about games like yesterday, a 12 o'clock kickoff up in Aberdeen, and I, I thought our support was brilliant yesterday, made loads of noise and deserve credit for that, but you know, so I, I don't want to just moan about, you know, put more games in telly and make supporters arrive for earlier kickoff, but it does just seem weird when you try to showcase your league, especially you know, when you've got one of the biggest talents in Japan and a, a huge name in Australian sport and I'm assuming if they're not being televised here, that they're not going to be televised over there either, um, it's just as I say, as I repeat, we don't have to uh, sell ourselves short in this country because I don't know how you feel, but I think we've got a great league. Um, sports scene every week, I think, is brilliant. Some of the games yesterday, um, or this weekend, you know, uh, was it Hearts Motherwell? Great game, like pretty big match. Rangers, Hibs, Aberdeen, Celtic. I think our league's brilliant at the moment. Um, Dundee, St. Johnson, a kind of local derby, but we just sell ourselves short. By the way, interestingly enough, 
I'm just looking at the fixes again. During the next midweek break, they are showing a lot of games. They're showing on the 30th of November, Murrayville Dungeon United. Then the 1st of December, Hibs Rangers. Then, this is a weird one, our home game against Hearts on the Thursday night is on live on Sky. So Yeah. And then your trip to Tanadice on the Sunday as well. So, I don't know what Sky up to. But yes, that's our, uh, our anti-modern football rant there. The, if Sky, if Sky does they sponsor us, then we'll love them, of course. But, uh, Hamish, yeah, yeah, John yes. Radio Times read there. <laughs> yes, with the update. Yes, yeah. Stick to uh, stick to the wireless, folks. Don't don't bother <laughs> with Sky. But uh, Hamish, thanks very much for coming on this week and plug the great sixty-seven heel heel and what you do on there. Yeah, I think everyone knows by now. Um, do a YouTube channel, sixty-seven heel heel. Uh, talk about Celtic on there a lot, and even though it's the international break. Uh, we'll have loads of content going up there. So if uh, somehow, I know Gig Pod's got a huge, huge uh, listenership. Is that a word? Uh, yes, I think so. You're going big guns at the moment. So if for whatever reason you're a fan of Gig Pod, um, and if, for, if, if for whatever reason, I don't know why this would be the case, you, you quite like the sound of my voice, then um, you can tune in to the YouTube channel, 67 Hail Hail. Uh, great to be on again, John. Um, thanks, mate. Way back to bed. Right, cheers Hamish and you know where to get us by now in all the usual places all the usual podcast platforms leave us five stars and good reviews thanks everybody for listening we'll be back I think later on in the week I'm going to start next week where we'll talk about how they are going to fare in the weeks to come we're going to do make some predictions I think so you can all look forward to that then we'll be back probably after the Motherwell game so thanks everybody for listening and hail hail Podcast Network.